Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmaduhu nusalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him, and continuing our exploration of Surah Al-Kaf, the floor is yours. Um, so I'll be discussing Ayat 71 to 88 today, and then I'll start off with um, 71 to 78. So a little bit of summary. Um, in these ayat, uh, there's more information about the the three instances in which Al-Khadr did something that Musa salam didn't understand. So this was the breaking of the boat, um, killing the boy, and fixing the wall. So in the case of the boat, um, Musa salam was basically questioning um, Al-Khadr because he um, he broke the boat and he was concerned that water would get into it and that it would capsize but it didn't. And so scholars say that either um, Al-Khadr fixed this boat somehow afterwards, or it was a miracle that the water um, wasn't getting into the boat. And then in the case of the boy, um, in the Quran, it says, Hatta idha ghulaman. So that means until when they met a boy. And over here, um, the word ghulam is used to describe the boy, which means a young boy or a minor. Um, also, the phrase uh, nafsan zakiya is used, which means innocent person and free of sin. Um, and then in the case of um, the people of the town, um, or ahla qariya, um, scholars say that it could be uh, in Al-Andalus, which is in Spain, but um, this isn't entirely clear, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best um, which town this was. Um, so moving on to ayat 79 to 82, um, in these ayat, there's uh, more of an explanation of why Al-Khadr did these things. And he clarifies and says that he didn't do these things just because he wanted to. He did them because he had knowledge of what would happen in the future. And obviously nothing happens without the will of Allah. So um, in the, the case of the boat, um, in the Quran, it says, which means as for the boat, it was for some poor people. Um, so this boat belonged to, uh, scholars say, a group of 10 brothers. Uh, five of these brothers were handicapped and the other five used to use the boat to make a living um, and they used to rent it out to people to try to make a little bit of money. Um, so... This phrasing is significant because it uses the word um, masakin and um, it sort of defines what masakin means for people. Uh, it's not necessarily uh, just poor people. It's individuals who uh, may have a way of making a living, but it's not enough to sustain them. And um, so the reason why Al-Khadr broke this boat was because um, in the direction that they were going, there was a cruel king who used to steal boats that were in good condition. And so to save the boat from being taken by this king and um, the, the 10 brothers losing their way of, of survival, um, Al-Khadr broke the boat um, just enough where it could be uh, fixed, but broken enough that the king wouldn't um, take it. Um, so moving on to the case of the boy, um, Al-Khadr says that in the future, this boy would cause his parents a lot of pain and that would eventually leave them to endanger their faith. And so this is why he killed the boy. 
Um, and scholars say that later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave these parents a daughter um, who grew up to um, give birth to two prophets. And so in a way, um, these parents were able to, um, through their progeny, um, provide guidance to a larger community. And so in the end, it led to something good. And then in the case of the village and the wall, um, in the Quran, it says, which means, and there was beneath it a treasure for them. And scholars um, say that this treasure could either be a chest of gold and silver or a tablet with an inscription. And so the them that is referred to here is um, some orphans whose father was a pious man. And so the father left this treasure for his children underneath this wall. And Al-Khadr fixed this wall so that um, the people of the town wouldn't find this treasure and take advantage of it before um, the children could get a chance to use it for themselves. And so because of the father's piety, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected um, his children. Um, so moving on to ayat 83 to 88, here is, uh, we see the story of the Qurnayn. Um, in ayah 84, the, the word that is used is yes, alunaka, which means they ask you. So this word is um, basically talking about when um, the Quraysh um, asked the Prophet ﷺ the three questions that they had received from the Jews. And um, one of these questions was about the Qarnayn and what happened to him. So the Qarnayn literally means uh, the one who has two horns. And um, scholars debate about what this actually means. So some say that it could be two curly locks of hair. Others say that um, he ruled the countries of the East and the West. So those were figurative horns. Um, others say that he had horn-like marks on his head. And others say that um, he had two wounds. And those wounds are what the horns are referring to. Uh, and this name actually came to him from the Jews. And so the Qarnayn was a righteous man. He was a just king. Um, he reached the east and the west, and he conquered countries in those regions, um, as well as in between, and he ruled there. And um, in the Quran, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he provided him with everything needed. Um, the exact phrasing is, kulli shay'in sababa. And so, like, everything that was provided to him was in terms of material um, material wealth and knowledge um, to be able to um, successfully run his empire. And so he traveled um, in the far west and the far east and then um, to a mountain range in the north. And it was here in the mountain range where he closed the passage between two mountains with molten metal. And he did this to protect the people who were living there from the Yajuj and Majuj. Um, <clears throat> there are no authentic stories um, from the Torah or Injil to sort of compare um, what was revealed to them about the Qarnayn. Um, some stories uh, equate a King Alexander with the Qarnayn, but this is incorrect because um, King Alexander was a fire worshiper. Um, whereas Islamic scholars say that he was a prophet and some say that he was a righteous believer. Um, some scholars believe that he lived during the time of Ibrahim um, And then another um, significant thing to note here is um, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ سَأَتْلُوا عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْهُ ذِكْرَةً So here, he... <coughs> He said he will give some narrations about the Qarnayn and not just narrations. And this suggests that there's more to the story of the Qarnayn. But for the situation here, it only requires this bit of information. Okay, very good. Can you hear me? All right. So uh, uh, what do you think about the fact that uh, so many people in our community do believe that Zulkarnain is Alexander. Is this the um, wrong belief? I this is actually the first time I'm hearing this, so I I was a little surprised. Is this the first time you're hearing that it's not him, or is this the first time you're hearing that it is him? That it is him. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very common belief. Um there's a couple other theories. One theory is that it's the Alexander we learned about in, in public school, oral unicorn public school, CPSA, right? But it's the Alexander we learned about in the history of Greece and such. Another theory is that there was another Alexander. Uh, in another theory, another common theory is that it's Cyrus who has, who also has a history of conquest and such. Um, but yeah, it's, I had a student from Central Asia <clears throat> And and she told me that they literally referred the literally used the name uh, Al Iskandar Zulkarnain, so Alexander Zulkarnain. Uh, but yeah, it's one of the issues that I wrestle with is uh, a secondary belief that a lot of people take as true that might be completely wrong. I mean, obviously. You know, if we believe in Islam, then there's some central beliefs and other traditions that, you know, people believe in that we say are wrong, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but what about when you have devout Muslims, you know, who, who might believe in things that actually are wrong? And from the outside in, it's, it's a no-brainer, it's no surprise, but for some reason I find myself wanting to think that if someone is devout, then it's going to knock away some of false beliefs. You know, point being that if if Volkarnayan is not Alexander, then uh, people who are devout should probably be somehow automatically turned away from from that belief. You understand the point that I'm making? But the point the so what I'm saying is that people are devout. Then there should be a lot of secondary beliefs that just don't stick to them. Um. Uh, but the reality seems to be whether people are devout or not, it may be that there's a lot of wrong beliefs it might still stick to them. And a lot of this relates to who is Zulkarnain. And fundamentally, just like we've been discussing for the whole surah, what his real identity is or what his famous identity is, is, is secondary to the text of the Quran that he was a person who did exist <laughs> and such. And, you know, through archaeology, we might find someone else. Uh, what do you think about, uh, wait, you did talk about your juju majuj, yeah? Uh, yeah, I mentioned the, a little bit about them. Yeah, right. right. Uh, what do you think about the fact that they're supposed to be showing up in end times? Are you familiar with the prophecies about them? Um, I've heard the theory that, like, the 
the blockage that is sort of separating them is the Great Wall of China, but I don't know how yeah, that's, accurate <laughs> that is. So there's, uh, and that's another perfect example of, of uh, probably wrong secondary belief. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, one is that the wall is the Great Wall of China. Another is that Yajuj and Majuj themselves are, are, um, are China and Japan. Which is kind of goofy, <laughs> nevertheless. Um, so, so in the Hadith literature, there is belief that the Yajuj and Majuj throughout time <clears throat> have been trying to break through this wall. Mm -hmm. And the Prophet announces, this is around the time of the Battle of Ahazab, that a hole has been formed. Because what's been happening otherwise is that they break through, they break through almost a little bit, and then mm -hmm. the hole seals back up almost like you know sisyphus like you know they break through and then some dirt falls in that type of thing uh but then a hole has been formed and in end times they're going to escape and swarm the world and uh they're taken to be human they're taken to be material but mm -hmm. uh, who knows of course, that all assumes that the prophecies of end times are also authentic, which um, is a whole issue of its own. But okay. I think I mean, you caught all the big points here. We talked a bit about, about Hitler last time. And um, yeah, I think uh, I don't have any other notes or comments. Do you have any questions about any of this? Um, no, not really. That's it. Okay, inshallah. Uh, then we'll we'll continue along. And uh, oh, there's also one small point. Uh, like Zulkarnain reaches the point where he sees the sun rising from the water. And yeah, I didn't I didn't really understand that part. You know, Islamophobes will say, "Ha, here's a proof of the Quran contradicting science." You know, but uh, I don't think even in the time of the Prophet peace be upon him, they would interpret that to mean that the sun is coming out of the water. As opposed to, you know, when you're looking at the horizon, you're you're seeing the sun come up, and so he reached he might have reached the Pacific Ocean, you know. Uh, and just like uh, one of the names of Japan is is the land of the rising sun. So every time I hear I, I see that I, uh, I I think of of Japan, which is slightly funny because I just said a moment ago that Yajuj and Majuj are not China and Japan, but. Okay, uh, I think that's all I have uh, for now. Then, inshallah, we'll continue next time. Oh, inshallah. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nasta wa natu ilayk. All right, Malik Alwardi, and we'll see you next week. Inshallah. Okay, inshallah.